Tonight I want to talk to you about the gospel. Is that okay? Yeah. I don't know what else I'd be talking about. But I'll kind of be all over the place, so um, maybe just turn to Romans 8. We'll see what happens. know we got to know what's happened to us in salvation it helps see we have the gospel we have I feel like this I have one thing I have the gospel that's all I have (laughs) I have Jesus but Jesus my salvation I have the gospel that's the only thing I have to give people right and the Holy Spirit wants the church to come alive to the gospel alive to the gospel why because we've heard it over and over and over and over and sometimes there's just no life on it for us anymore, right? I know, it's just me. But really, the gospel is good news. And actually in the Greek it, in the Greek it means that it's better news than you thought it was before. No, really. It's too good to be true. That's what it really means. In the Greek. It's too good to be true. And I'm going to show you why. You know, the prophets prophesied. How many know Isaiah? How many know Jeremiah? If you've been in the church, no, I say you don't know them because unless you had some type of encounter with them, you really don't know them. But you can know them by reading the book and the Spirit of God. Ezekiel. They all prophesied about the same time and they had about basically the same message. It was God will cleanse you. God will give you a new heart. God will put his spirit within you. And then he says this, that I will remember your sins no more. There were so many promises that those prophets, those guys would just continually bang and preach and prophesy to the nation of Israel. Why? Because all they knew was works to get them back to God. Because they'd have an evil king and they'd go away from God and then they'd have a good king and they'd get back to God and then they'd have an evil king and they'd go away from God and then they'd have a good king. And some of them would continue to be, be faithful and some would not, right? We know of Daniel in, in the midst of exile. We know that people, there was a remnant within that was always faithful to God and the Holy Spirit wants us to understand this message. See, they were conditioned to live religiously. And I'll say probably 75% of American church people live religiously. I'm probably low on that. But I believe that. You know, we all get stuck. We are suckers for religion. We like to do stuff so that we can gain favor. We like to justify being angry. We like to justify the reasons why we don't forgive people. 
And God says this. He says, I will come and I will cleanse you. That means he'll purify everything. That the fire of heaven wants to come down in the person of Jesus and totally change your life around. Even after you've been saved, sometimes you need to be born again. Oh, born again again. Come on, somebody. Why do we need a, another encounter with the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit purifies us. When we encounter God, he comes to us and he changes us and he'll radically change you inside. And that's what I want to talk about, the radical change that has to happen inside so that actually fruit comes out. And it is all based on the gospel, better, than, better news than you ever thought it was. Because the gospel is the power unto salvation, right? And that, if that doesn't do it, we have nothing else. I have no other tricks up my sleeve. I have nothing else to give people other than the truth of the gospel. There's really nothing else. We can have a good show. That's still not going to change and transform people's lives. We didn't have screens today. Who cares? But some people will get, I can't worship. I'm distracted. No, God's in the building. Just worship. Right? Never mind I put, you know, Cali through craziness. Yeah, I had this thing. Nothing works. <laughs> she was back there worshiping, so I wasn't distracted. Come on. But here's the promise for all who believe, right? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is power. And God wants everyone to know it. Everybody. Not just a couple people. He wants everyone to know the gospel. His death and resurrection. So Isaiah 52 and verse 3. I'm just going to read it. You don't have to turn there. Unless you desire to. Because this is what the Lord says. You've sold yourself for nothing. And you shall be redeemed without money. This is what the Lord says. You've sold yourself for nothing. It's so easy to get stuck. It's so easy to get entrapped. And we do it freely. We give ourselves over to things that pull us away from purpose, that pull us away from God, our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, the center, the blood of Christ, and the Holy Spirit, right? But can I tell you, God came and said, you shall be redeemed without money. And what we don't understand is that when Jesus Christ came, even in his sufferings, he wants us to be partakers. And we don't even understand that. Because the work's been already done. When I when, you know, we hear this work, it's a finished work. I believe it's a finished work. But do we understand what that finished work is? You have an amazing inheritance, but how do you pull from that inheritance? How do you pull from the, from the, from the heavens all the things that God has prepared for you before time? 
And Jesus was slain before the foundations of the world. So the work was already done before Jesus even stepped onto the scene. But we still needed a Savior to shed his blood so that life could come to us abundantly. But can I tell you, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 gives us one thing. It's the end, and it's the decree of a jury. It says this, that Jesus closed the case of any accusing voice against those who are joined in union with him. What's happened when you, this is the miracle of the gospel. This is the miracle. All you have to do is say, God, I repent. I just, just forgive me for everyone, and I release everyone who's, who I have anything against, and I release myself from all unforgiveness towards everyone else. It's so easy. And then you're cleansed. That's why I said it's too good to be true. It's too good to be true. It's too good to be true. But here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to really walk it out. Believing the truth inwardly will eventually manifest outwardly. God wants us to believe what's happened on the cross. He wants us to believe the miracle of salvation. He wants us to believe the absolute, it's a, it's, it's this supernatural thing that happens to us by the blood of Christ cleansing us, right? And then it's, then what? He puts a new spirit inside of us. So you don't walk in the old, you walk in the new. You've been, brand, you've been made brand new. This should be like Salvation 101 class tonight. Seriously, but I think we have to be reminded because we get stuck in religious duties and being worried about someone being offended and we take on someone's offense from someone else. It happens all the time. People are offended. And then we get stuck in a rut that we don't feel free, that we feel bound up. Good people who believe Jesus, right? Believe him for his word. But if you could see how great you are on the inside, something radically would change. I'm telling you now. This is the whole thing of God awakening your heart and your spirit. Because when we awaken to truth, something gets transformed in us. We don't stay in the same cycles and the same walk, but what changed from glory to glory. And that's how it works, right? Because you what? Believe. I believe, I believe. Then receive. And if we start to think different because of the truth inside of us, lots of fruit should appear effort, effortlessly. Effortless, effortlessly. It shouldn't take anything for the, fruit, for the fruit to appear. I can't even speak. 
Help me, Jesus. It's all that fruit. And that lisp. Okay. But God has qualified you. God! Did you hear me? God has qualified you to be a partaker. You didn't qualify yourself. You didn't qualify yourself to even understand the gospel. All you have to do is ask God, let me understand the fullness of who you are because we want to know the knowledge of the Lord. We want to receive the knowledge of the Lord and understand him in a greater way, in a greater capacity so that we can move in strength and power. Right? So that the life inside of us of abundance will move outside of us and you'll see the fruit effortlessly. I almost stuck again. But God is our exceeding great reward, and he is the one that gives us this inheritance. So that now we're free, and we live from this dynamic power of the Holy Spirit, right? And so mindsets, focus, focusing on our own desires and figuring it out on our own wisdom, fight the plan of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Here's what happens. We start thinking. I'm not saying that we don't think. We should think. You should have a good mind. You know, my, my theology teacher used to tell me you use your head for more than a hat rack, you know. He spoke that to me often. You know, we've got to know. We've got to have an answer for the things that were spoken to us. We have to have an answer for the words that come out of the word of truth, right? But here's the thing. When we begin to think opposite God, right? How do you discern that? God wants to speak to you clearly. Except sometimes we have our own mindset, right, on what God wants to do. And God wants to break our thinking patterns that think against him, right? The Bible says in Romans 8 that we had, what? That our thoughts and our minds and our, our thinking was at enmity with God. It was warring against God's plan. And God says this, I want you to line up with me and know who I am so that you can walk in truth. And when truth comes inside you, it begins to blossom and flourish and become, becomes great, great fruit in your life and you don't have to work at it. So sometimes we're fighting God's plan and refuse to submit to his direction. What am I talking about? I'm talking about a self-willed person. And not, not resting in God and who he is and releasing our, th our things to him so that we can walk in the path that he's called us to, right? You gotta release it to walk in it. Right, it's always going to be about yielding in here. It'll always be about that because if we don't yield to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God won't come inside and reside inside you in a way that will overtake your life and the abounding grace and the fruitfulness of your life will begin to overpower you. And actually, the Bible says this, it'll overtake you. Why? Because we're in complete obedience to what God's doing and we're in line with what God's doing and when you're in sync with what God's doing, blessing overtakes you. Oh, but what about suffering? It's for all of us, right? Yes, you will go through hard times. But that's why he said in this same chapter, I believe, that you're more than a conqueror. 
right? You haven't been stepped, you're not stepping way outside and not living in the fullness, but he already conquered and broke those things so that now you can walk right through it. No, really. Because I don't want to live in a place where I constantly trip over an offense. I'm constantly outthinking God. Right? I want to just give Jesus place and it's simple obedience to just walk and follow him. So you can't obey the Holy Spirit until you're not dominated by self-will. Hello. Dominated, yes, dominated. It's a good word. But I want to be dominated by the Spirit of God and what His voice is over my life. I'd rather be dominated by God's words over my life and His life inside of me than my own self-will and what I think needs to be done. Right? Because sometimes you can dream and live with God. Ha. And what you think what you think I'm almost distracted by that. <laughs> oh, man. So here's the key, Jesus living his life inside of you. And everyone's nodding their head, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's, his life-giving spirit lives and moves in you. Why? Because you're fully accepted. And that's where we trip up. Do you know you're fully accepted today? Because I'm telling you, this is what the prophets were prophesying, that I'm going to give you a new heart, that I'll give you my spirit, that you'll be completely redeemed. As far as the east is from the west, your sins will be. Right? And only mature children of God and only those who are moving and are moved by the leading and the impulse of the Spirit of God will begin to see fruit. Are you hearing me? Only those. Hell, I don't know. I felt that was a little... A little emphatic, but I felt like the Lord said, only those. If we allow God to come in and give ourselves to that, to what he's doing, to where he's moving, right? Only mature children, only those moved by the moving and the leading. You want to be led by the Spirit. If you're sons of God, you're led by the Spirit of God, are you not? Sons and daughters are led by the Spirit of God. The very Spirit that's living inside of me should be moving me. Right? And so that's what it's described as, as the spirit of adoption. It's actually the full, the spirit of full acceptance. That means you're consecrated children. That means you don't have to wonder if you've been adopted and your parents love you. That means you're fully accepted. That means you're 
you're, you've been engrafted into the tree, the family tree, because of your lo- the love of the Father towards you. The spirit of completed sonship. And so as true, true children, it qualifies us to one thing. Actually, many things, but qualifies us to share in all the treasures of God. It's just real simple. How many, how many like the treasure part? Yeah. Come on, I want treasure. I want the good stuff. I want to receive things from God. But God's calling us, right, to walk, and there's some hardship. Come on. But like I said, as more than conquerors, you have already conquered it because he's already conquered it. And I don't think we understand this part of the equation. Even with sin, he's already broken it. He's already broken the power. Even with like family lineage and uh, generational sin, he's broken it. You got to acknowledge it, right? That it's broken. And so we're heirs of God himself and joint heirs with Jesus and all that he has, we have. And so we're co, can I say this, co-glorified? We are. We're co-glorified. That means the same glory that was on Jesus is on your life. Oh my goodness. That's the truth. The same glory. He prayed the prayer that we'd live as one with him. That we'd been engrafted into, into everything that he has and we'd take the inheritance and the treasure and we'd walk in it. And so the glory that was on him would be on you. And so when Moses was saying, show me your glory, it would be us saying, give me what I already have. That's not a lie. That's the truth. Because the glory of the Father, the same spirit the glory of the Father that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives and dwells inside of you. So that means the glory is inside of you. And we're calling and we're asking for the glory, which is a good prayer. God, send your glory because we want it corporately. We want it to show up. We want it to invade the building, the neighborhoods, the cities. But God's saying, let the glory arise. Let the glory arise and come out of you. Don't think like you would normally think. Think like I would think. And the only way I can think like he thinks is if I know who I am and I've become a son of God. Right? There's a life in God. And as children that we live, that we're filled with presence, we're filled with glory, we're filled with power, right? And I... So we think right, accepting his sufferings as our own, meaning the things he experienced. Do you understand that? Let me go there quick. Romans 8. I told you to go there and I never went there. Okay, verse 10. I uh, just jumped to 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That's you. 
For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, which is actually Papa, which is actually Daddy. If you read it in the Aramaic, it's all those good things, and, and we, some, we have reverential problems with that, but it's the truth. It was written like that, like you have a, a real relationship with a real father. That's how it's actually written. So don't, don't get weird with that because God is God. Yes, I agree. And I have the fear of the Lord. But you want to be able to talk to him like your father and just put aside all the other. See, this is where we got to put aside. Dad used to act like this. Don't think of dad. Think of Papa God. And so I can't get a perspective picture of who God is, except for the scripture tells me that Jesus is the express image of who God was. And it, and it actually brought delight in him, and it satisfied him that all of who he was would be in Jesus, and that he would reflect him on the earth. And then Jesus told us that you, you, have the same spirit. The same spirit that was in me is now in you, because you're going to go wait. Not that we didn't have the spirit of adoption and salvation, but the same spirit of God comes in mega power, dunamis power, through the Holy Ghost when we receive the Holy Spirit in power. And the restoration of who God created you to be goes boom. And that's you where you want to live from. You don't want to live from an unsanctified like carnal thinking life that's like this day I'm one way, this day I'm another. You want to live in the fullness of the glory that I said before. I'm off track again. My God. So it says, His Spirit Himself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Yes, say amen. Yell it. Really. Heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. If we indeed, he's trying to, the language is like this. Are you convinced that what Jesus Christ suffered already took place and you're free? Some of you just went. Are you convinced of this? That Jesus Christ suffered and died. That gives you victory over every sin. That gives you victory over death. Mm, kind of. It gives you victory over sickness, divine health, divine nature, divine living. It's the same spirit that Jesus Christ walked in as a God-man on the earth. Not that you're God. Look at your neighbor. You are not God. But the sufferings of Christ, it's important. It's important. It's important. Because Jesus Christ suffered and died, right? Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Read it for a week. Read it for the whole week. You should. Isaiah 53 gives us the depiction, right? He speaks, it's so crazy. Because those three chapters in a row, he said, you sold yourself for nothing, but I buy you back freely. Then he says, who believes your report in Isaiah 53? 
right? Who has believed the report? And then it talks about the suffering servant. Talks about everything that Jesus did. Talks about his, his suffering, his brokenness, his dismemberment. Talks about him being broken for us, right? For us, for the world. So that salvation could come freely to everyone. For all those who call upon his name. And then we have Isaiah 54 that says, stretch forth your tent. That means expand the way that you think. I know, it's a lot of Bible, but that's all right. Isaiah 53, there was something I was looking for. Just bear with me. There's something that God wants to break in our thinking, right? So he goes through, Isaiah 53, who has believed the, our report? And to whom has the, the arm of the Lord been revealed? Goes all the way down. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Yet he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace is upon him. And by his stripes, everyone says he was he, he, we've been healed, right? We all like sheep have gone astray. Keeps going. Go down to 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put on him to grief. And when you make his soul an offering in sin, he shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And you shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteousness servant shall justify many. Salvation right there, guys, brothers, sisters. It's, it's right there. And he shall bear their iniquities. For therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. What does that mean? He'll divide the spoil with the strong. What does that mean? Who's strong? You are. What does that mean? Everything that Jesus did, everything in salvation, he's given us a sound mind. He's given us a new heart. He's cleansed us from all unrighteousness. These are all gifts. These are all just the little freebies that he gives us, right? Little, they're big, they're huge. But he's justified us and cleansed us, right, from all unrighteousness. And this, he's given us healing and dominion and deliverance and all these things, right? You have God, Christ, the hope of glory inside of you. The hope of glory inside of you. I'm back to the glory. The glory of God living inside of every Christian in this building is enough to explode this, this town of Kingston right here. And then some. Because they started with what, 120? Yeah. So here we go. What does it mean? He shall divide the spoil with the strong. What did he do? The Bible says this. The Bible says that when Jesus, it said he gave basically, <laughs> he gave notice to principalities and powers when he came back to life. He died, he came back to life. And here's what happens. 
He came back to life and had victory over every enemy. The Bible says every enemy, not just a few. It wasn't Joshua. I went into the land and I conquered almost everybody, but we left one, which polluted the land again. No, it says every enemy. He's conquered every enemy. Every, every enemy. I can't emphasize that enough because your life is absolutely so free you don't even know it. Because the thoughts that we continually fight with, you've been given the spoil. The strong have been given the spoil. Those who live under the blood of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, those that live under the goodness of God, have been given victory over every enemy. I'm telling you, we go week to week and we bounce around and we feel like, I have it this week, I don't have it that week, I have it on Monday, I don't have it on Tuesday, I have it on Saturday, and Sunday I kind of feel all right, I'll just go worship. Do you hear me? Listen, God is so good, he already wrapped it up. He already wrapped it up. It's all, it's all finished. It's all in a nice package which we receive. It's the gift of salvation. I know. There's probably no one in this room that needs to, get, to receive Jesus today. But I'm telling you, we need to re receive Jesus afresh and anew daily. His mercy's new every morning. And I'm telling you, this is what, everything I believe that has to do with awakening the whole region. Someone needs to wake up and begin to preach the gospel. Someone needs to begin to remind people, this is your mission. I don't have anything else. All I have is God, his goodness, his, his Holy Spirit and power to be released into the earth, to be released into this place, to be released all over the place. And I'm telling you, nothing gets in the way. So I came across this weird thing. There's a story about Leonardo da Vinci, of all things. And then I thought, I'm saying, well, man, is it almost prophetic or is it sacrilegious? I don't know. I didn't know which one it was. So, so we asked a friend, come take a look at, at, at the painting, you know, the painting of communion, you know, the Last Supper. Then he had a friend to come in and he said, he looked at the chalice and he said, the chalice is beautiful. And Leonardo da Vinci said, what? And he took the paintbrush and he went and he got rid of it. He goes, nothing, nothing in my painting shall attract more attention than the face of my master. Now I'm telling you, I had like, either it was revelatory or it's, out there. But I'm thinking this. I went to look for it on the internet. So I find the picture. I find the painting. There is no chalice. The bread's there. There's no cup. I said, what is that? I said, how can we have the last supper with no cup? And then I thought, and it probably wasn't Leonardo's intention, but the cup's been taken. Hear me. There's so much preaching on a cup of suffering. 
which I believe that we are to suffer. Paul talks about it. But the cup is vanished because the cup of suffering and the blood of Jesus, right? It was the cup of suffering. That's what I'm thinking of, right? I know it was the communion. This is my blood. But he spilt his blood in suffering. I'm not saying it just takes the blood of Jesus away. It does not. What I'm saying, hear what I'm saying, that the release of all the goodness of God has made you have such victory over the sufferings of Christ. That's why people in the Middle East cry when they find out that we don't preach the gospel. I was listening to testimonies two weeks ago about an evangelist that went to Afghanistan and Iraq during Ramadan to go preach the gospel. And he was told by the CIA, don't go do it. Don't go. Government guys calling him on the phone. Don't go. Well, he goes and he sees crazy miracles. And he probably was at gunpoint three times. But it was this. They'll die. It kind of challenged me. I don't need to die in America. Right? And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but who's willing to die for the gospel? Who's willing to die? I don't know. No, it shook me on the inside. As a matter of fact, I came home from work. I'm crying in the car. I'm like, what is the matter with me? No, because we need to be challenged. It doesn't matter because Paul says that the sufferings that he was that he was receiving was nothing compared to the glory. It says it right there in the book. It says it was nothing compared to the glory of the Lord that came upon his life that he received from the Holy Spirit. So I'm not having a martyr's call tonight because that was heavy. I know you guys were like, it's okay. But it's not okay. You're hearing me. We're comfortable. We got air conditioning and we got nice chairs. No, really. And I know we live on, on the other side of the planet. And we're not under Muslim rule. And we don't have Al-Qaeda and ISIS in the streets yet. Well, what else do you want to talk about tonight? My point, sufferings have already been taken care of, guys. Remember Stephen? <laughs> he got stoned. He got rocks thrown at him to death. And he said, forgive them, Lord. And what did he see? He saw Jesus. Jesus stood up for him. Jesus was the one that stood up for him. He saw the heavens open, and he saw Jesus standing. He went into a revelation right before his death. See, revelation and understanding helps us and makes us a res reservoir for all kinds of wisdom 
and spiritual understanding. We want to walk in the ways of righteousness and pleasing God in everything that we do. Right? Living in Christ's likeness. What does that look like? What does it look like? Experiencing the fullness of God. Maturing in rich experiential knowledge. Because when Colossians talks about engaging God in, that, in chapter 1, you can read that later. But the reality is God's looking for those who will engage with him and receive experiential knowledge. I can receive book knowledge, but I need God to speak to me. Not through my feelings, because I can feel weird one day and feel different the next. I'm talking about God completely coming to me and absolutely showing up in my life and me encountering him. And so experiencing the fullness of God, we mature in knowledge, we bear fruit, we yield to his life, not our life. A yielded life, not to his life. Not to our life, but his life. And we're, ex- we're energized with explosive power in the realms of God's glory. And we're filled with, can I say, great hope. Because when God comes and he releases all of himself onto us, you should have great hope. When you receive salvation, we have this. These were some of the tenets that I learned in the Assemblies of God. We have great hope. I had to memorize those so that I could pass my test. We have great hope because he lives and makes intercession for you and I. But we need to reveal the supremacy of Christ and who he is. Meaning what? Meaning he holds first place. First place in everything. And I already said this, but God being satisfied with that, all the fullness of God would dwell in Jesus, the person, the man, that the full image of God would be restored in our hearts. I'm telling you, he's looking for the restoration of all things. It starts with you. Because the heavens say, what, the prophet said this, the heavens hold him back until it's, he's formed in the church. And so by covenantal blood, everything on heaven and earth has been restored back to the original intent. Original intent, even better. Restored to innocence again, and now there's nothing between you and God. Not one thing. And so he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. Do you know that tonight? That he sees you holy, flawless, and restored. And here's the divine mystery that locked up inside you is all treasures. And it's to be unfolded in every believer. Right? It's supposed to be a release inside every one of you, flooding you with expectation of God's glory 
and the mystery embedded within us becomes the heavenly treasure chest hope of hope filled with the riches and the glory of his people. Do you understand what I'm saying? What's the inheritance of Christ? It's inside of you. It's Christ in you. The hope of glory. And God wants you to know it. That Jesus is, that the gospel is power. And Christ's death and resurrection is paramount. Paramount. What did Paul say? He said, I'll preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so here's the thing. Here's the deal. You preach the gospel. You receive the gospel, but you speak the gospel and you declare it to people to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. sure as I'm standing here today, I'm telling you, there's a breath. You know, we started with the breath of God. Finished worship, breathing in God. But there is God's breath over a people that he wants you to speak and declare, that he wants, he's calling for you to declare the goodness of who he is. What am I motivating tonight? You don't need an invitation, just go do it. You don't need an invitation to go heal the sick, just go do it. You don't need an invitation to go share Christ with someone, just do it. You don't need to have an event, just go do it. We're going to ask God for the manifold wisdom because some, some here need, need, I need an experience. I want to experience a fresh touch with God in a way I haven't. Listen, the whole thing inside of you, God created you and it's all been restored. You've been rebooted. Well, I need some work on me. No, you're complete in him. Hmm. You're, you're, that's, what the, that's what my word says, that I'm complete in him. That means I might have some things I need to get set free from. Yeah, okay. But God has already provided the way. And what I want us to get out of our minds is that things have to be a struggle and a fight. God wants to work something inside of you that's amazing and beautiful, and he wants to pull the treasure out of you 
at any given moment. And some of you have gifts, and some of you are gifts to the church. That means you're an apostle, prophet, teacher, or evangelist, or something like that. <laughs> Those are gifts to the church, right? And God's calling people to stand and know. Not just I'm almost convinced. No, he wants you to be fully convinced that he's created you to radically change your sphere of influence. It's not just a little bit. Now imagine this. Let's stand. <laughs> Ready? I'm just gonna. I'm gonna ask some questions. Just close your eyes. Worship Jesus while she's playing. Playing. I can't even talk tonight. goes back to awakening the region, right? I believe you're all awake. I don't believe one in this church is not awake. But here's what, I'm, here's what my prayer is going to be. God, if you call me to seek you for 10 days <laughs> till fresh fire from heaven comes, find me some people that'll do that who believe with me, right? If God calls me to Afghanistan, wherever, it doesn't have to be the Middle East, it could be anywhere. <laughs> See, here's the difference. Just gonna make it plain. I'm bringing it back to heavy, heavy again, but that's okay. When people came to Christ in Rome, just after Jesus was crucified, they knew one thing: that they could be put on a stake and burned. I know. I'm here in America, God, and I'm speaking these things out. But the reality is, listen, all the suffering's been taken care of. And when they put John on the Isle of Patmos, they put him in oil and he wouldn't burn. He wouldn't die. I'm not talking about dying for Jesus tonight because he already did it. But what I am, am going to ask us to do is meditate on this. Where's my will at? If God, you call me to something crazy radical tomorrow, will I just do it? Am I abandoned to the gospel? 
And does my life, all the treasure inside of me, it doesn't count if I won't give it to you. He's your exceeding great reward. And you're his. But the reality is this, that God wants us to pour out ourselves like a drink offering like Paul said. And we hold all kinds of things back because of circumstantial evidence that we have no facts for. So God, I'm asking tonight for a release on our lives, Father, right now. And if you're in agreement with me tonight, lift your hands. Father, I'm asking that you release a grace on us, Father, to walk in great boldness, to walk, fulfilling all you called us to, God. I pray for strength. I pray for boldness. I pray for life and life abundantly, Father. I ask God tonight that you just release on us the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know, experientially know you. God, we're not talking about living halfway. Lord, I thank you for restored every person in this place. I thank you that you've healed and mended every broken area. I thank you that you're healing any physical ailments right now in the name of Jesus, anything with the blood right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father. And Lord, we're asking, Father, that you bring us into a whole new level of commitment and vision I declare no fear. I thank you for the spirit of adoption. I thank you that we live under the spirit of adoption. I thank you that we are ascending to a place that we have not been before. I thank you that there's nothing that's going to hold back the church of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, for commitment and solid, concrete Standing people, people that don't move, the immovable. And I thank you, Father, that you're releasing a grace to fill us beyond what we've ever known before. I thank you for an outpouring of the Spirit. And we just ask, Lord, and declare tonight that, Lord, we will, we will do whatever you ask us to do. We'll be with you unto eternity. 
But Lord, we'll do whatever you ask us to do. And move us into places we haven't been before. And we're not afraid. Strength and boldness tonight. Spring up inside of us tonight. Release heaven on everyone in this place tonight. Redefine who we are, Lord. Shake our minds. Remove everything that gets in the way. Move us out of being comfortable. Move us into being radical. Let the fire from heaven invade our homes, our spirits, our families. Lord, we don't want to miss anything. Let us not be politically motivated or religiously motivated, but let us be given over to everything that you've called us to. Lord, I bring, I ask, I declare, I prophesy clarity to every person in this room. Clarity, make everything clear. We break any confusion right now in Jesus' name. And declare the word of the Lord. Stir up the prophetic words in people. Bring it alive. Move us. And bring us into the newness of life that we haven't experienced before. In Jesus' name.